In a world where more professionals than ever are multi-skilled, what's the value of spending your life focused on doing just one thing? Of being committed to a singular mission? Rolls-Royce prides itself on this type of devotion. From a position that focused skill sets benefit results, the individual, the career, and by extension, the company. The new ghost owes itself to hyper-dedicated specialists who chase perfection at every level. In episode three, Masters of the Singular, we explore the cerebral and commercial rewards of being a virtuoso at Goodwood, the home of Rolls-Royce motorcars. I'm Johanna Agerman-Ross, design editor and curator, and this is Ghost Stories. To understand this unique stable of talent, let's meet color and trim designer Sina Maria Egel. In her own words, this trained industrial designer is not a typical petrol head and found herself drawn to Rolls-Royce because it made works of art rather than cars. An authority on materials, Sina experiences the world through colour and texture, and her work on the new Ghost's rebuild contributed to the car's essence of modern purity. In a role that's intrinsically led by the finest level of detail, she's well-placed to help us celebrate the specialists at Rolls-Royce. What we can find at Rolls-Royce are true masters. They have an incredible skill set of all different kinds of techniques and materials. And being a true master at Rolls-Royce is teaching others and also do a lot of listening to crazy new ideas of of mine and the rest of the design team. In your day-to-day work in the design studio, how much interaction do you have with those master craftsmen? Uh, It's on a daily basis. So whatever question I have or whatever material I'm working on, I'm always working with a specialist who has this really, really deep knowledge. What I'm aiming for and the rest of the design team as well is that we learn new things over time. But if I don't understand the basis and this is what those specialists keep teaching me, I can't create new things. And this is why it's... It's a give and take every time when we work with the leather shop, the wood shop or the paint shop. How would you describe the Rolls-Royce mindset? How does the company draw out those with the values and capabilities it seeks? I think in general what we are aiming for is to choose the very best people. In terms of aiming for perfection and understanding this whole mindset, I think you either have it or you don't. And what happens if we interview new talents? We want to make sure that they really believe in perfection and passion and all the romance which is created around that particular brand. It's hugely competitive to get through the doors at Rolls-Royce. The company remains one of the most prestigious places in the world to train and work. As someone with a background in industrial design, What did your own trajectory look like? I actually was 22 years old when I got into Rolls-Royce and I started as a intern in, in Goodwood. And from there, I developed into a working student. From there, I developed into doing my bachelor thesis for Rolls-Royce. Before I finished my bachelor thesis, I got a job offer. So I moved to the UK right away. And since that time... Um, I'm 28 now. Since that time, I love every single day working for Rolls-Royce. And tell us about Goodwood. It sounds like such a fascinating place. It is that romantic, beautiful English countryside that you always see in in books and and, in films. I really do enjoy living over there. It's an incredibly unique place to be and to feel that spirit and pride every day when you walk through the plant. 
In in terms of the craftsmanship and the master craftsmen that work there, how visible is that to you when you enter the premises? So when you walk into the main lobby, you will be facing all those amazing models that we have been working on, all the different beautiful collections that we have created. And when you move a little bit further, you can see the whole assembly line, the leather shop, the paint shop and veneer shop. And you can see that talent in every corner that you look into. It must have been dazzling at first, working in such a rarefied environment. How did you decide where to zero in and focus? When I started my job at Rolls-Royce, I started as an accessory designer. So, of course, I was coming more from the leather side um, and from the veneer side and wood side to Rolls-Royce. So I got particularly fascinated with the execution of trimming leather or how to treat wood in a certain way. And then when I transformed into a commission collection designer a year later, I was facing all those different new materials while designing the gallery for Phantom. There I worked with porcelain or with feathers. We we worked with gold, which was 3D printed, all those different kind of materials, very new to the brand and very new to myself. And What I experienced from there on, that literally with every new project that you have, you have to learn about a new material and get deep inside the whole development of this material. So you mentioned 3D printing there, which of course is somehow well a very 21st century innovation and technique. So does the old craft marry with the new technology at Rolls-Royce as well? I think this is what we do particularly well. I think there is always a level of perfection that can be achieved by machines or 3D printing. But what makes us um, so special is that we finish everything up by hand and we go this extra mile to make it even more beautiful and perfect. That reminds me of the spirit of ecstasy, the emblematic Rolls-Royce sculpture that captains each bonnet. I understand the production process uses the lost wax method. What does that entail exactly? It is still an internationally recognized symbol of dreams, perfection, energy, grace and beauty and probably will never change. And how it's done is actually really interesting because it's kind of like a forgotten technology that comes with it. What we do with this wax spirit of ecstasy is that we coat it with heat-resistant clay And this clay mold is fired until the wax is actually melting inside. So you have this negative shape. And then what we do is we melt a lot of steel and pour it into this negative form. So then it will have to be heated at a really, really high temperature. And after it has cooled down, we hand polish every single corner of that spirit of ecstasy. So each spirit of ecstasy is actually hand finished completely. Hand finished and very much unique. And I heard that A spirit of ecstasy needs to be visible from the driver's seat in any Rolls-Royce car. Is that correct? It is true. She is really guiding your way. I'm consistently surprised by how many things are done by hand at Rolls-Royce. Take the painted coach line on the outside of the car, for example. That's something you'd never think is done by hand. Can you speak to that a bit? The coach line sits on each side of the car. So what it usually does is it brings out a contrast color that we feature in the interior to the outside so that you have a little bit of color accenting the whole exterior pane on the outside. And how it's done is we have this one incredible guy who is doing coach lines by hand. And you have to keep in mind, this coach line can be 
three, four meters long, and he's doing it in a perfect manner all the way. Freehand. Freehand. Incredible. The way that the coach line brings something of the interior out onto the exterior of the car is a very interesting concept, I think. How does the coach line differ on the new Ghost from the 2009 model? Of course, the coach line always needs to be adapted to the new geometry that we have. So what exterior design is aiming for is that we have this one uninterrupted line on every car. And what we also have with this particular car is that we have a very new two-tone. Usually what we do with two-tones means we have a different base color and a different bonnet and, and roof color. But with this particular model, we created a very new type of two-tone, which means that we have to tape on the body how the two-tone has to run onto the geometry. And that is true craftsmanship because it has to be symmetrical on both sides. And that has to be done every time we create a new two-tone onto a car. Discussion with the design team reveals just how critical partnership is to all projects, but especially the five-year development that preceded the new Ghost. This high-pressure venture formed tight-knit bonds across a group of specialists. Goodwood seems to be a rare place where masters of the singular can develop expertise while raising the standard of motor car engineering at the same time. Christoph is the lead interior designer of the new Ghost. What's his impression of the creative playground that is Goodwood? When I sketch a design or I create a design, I know that the people that carry out that design, um, whether it's the best engineers, the best colour and trim people, the best people from the wood shops, the best people from the leather shops, I know that they're the best in the business at what they actually do. And if it's not possible at Rolls-Royce, it's not possible at all. And that gives you a sense of freedom. I don't think you can have a different company. And I think that's one of the key things that when designing an interior... Um, you're very much aware of their abilities. And also as well, you're aware that sometimes what you're asking is not on first instance what they think they can achieve, but actually them trying to achieve what you've made. For them, there's also a little bit of a challenge and it's also a creative outlet. You have to remember that sometimes. And I'll give you an example. Um, when I first started around 10 years ago, um, I was asked to create a gift for a very special customer. And I created a quite a simple sketch, took it to the wood shop, and they said, oh, give us a challenge. Like, we could make that in five minutes. So I came back with all of this beautifully intricate woodwork and how it could all combine and go together. I remember at the time, the guy said to me, that's more like it, that's, that really pushes us. We want to do stuff like that. And I always remembered that when I design an interior, that's, that's the ideology, that's the message push these people because they want to be pushed like you want to be pushed on a daily basis because they are specialists in what they do. How much does trust come into play? Over five years of development, there must have been many moments that demanded you to put complete faith in someone else's expertise, right? It has to bring everybody together because um, it, any, any company needs to improve on its processes and needs to improve the product. So the closer everybody can work together the better really and um, I mean I've got a good relationship with the colour and trim team I have to know and I have to trust that their tastes are at the forefront of design in terms of what they know about they know about fashion they know about trends and I have to trust them and they have to trust me 
I have to trust the engineers. I have to trust that the engineer has exhausted every single opportunity to get something exactly the way it needs to be. And even then, I still ask some more questions. But essentially, yeah, it becomes a team and it becomes a little bit of a family at the end. Um, and people that start to fight for things that you, you, you didn't even realise were so passionate about the project, then all of a sudden in certain meetings, from nowhere, somebody will put their hand up and give up a speech about why something needs to be a certain way. And you didn't even believe at the beginning they could ever be that emotionally attached to the project. But it's a five-year process. And if you've seen it from the beginning to the end, of course you're going to be passionate about it. And I mentioned my my immediate studio engineer, and he was hugely passionate by the end of it. Um, he'll be listening to this podcast. He'll be waiting for the online reveal. He'll be going to the motor shows to see the car. Um, he's as proud of it as I am. So, yeah, I think it definitely brings everybody closer together. It sounds like that was quite a creative partnership. How did you both come to the same vision? They have to be part of the process from the beginning. And if you introduce an idea to somebody late... It's not their idea. You have to make it their idea as well. And you have to show them the idea in the infancy so that when they see it at such an early stage, they, they know that by the end of the process, they've had a huge part to play in making that a reality. Um, so you have to find people that, one, share the vision, but want to be part of that process from the very beginning. I was very, very fortunate, hugely fortunate. This is, you know, um, you know, I get like, not emotional, but I had this guy with me for five years. And in the end, we moved our desks together at certain points and we would go to the meetings together. And when I, you know, was all kind of tied out and frustrated and go for a quick coffee to come back and re-energise, he would fight for me. He would fight for the design itself. Every inch and every millimetre he fought for as well. And at times when it's a five-year process, that kind of support is huge for any designer. Chris's counterpart, Henry Cloak, is the designer responsible for the exterior of the new ghost, the way it looks as it glides down the street. I asked Henry if he's had a similar experience to Chris through working with his specialist teammates. Henry, which singular skill at Goodwood has impressed you the most? I mean, I'm always amazed what the guys can do with wood on an interior because I think we all know how wood appears on a tree and it's completely different to how then it appears in a car um, and that things are not just a single piece cut down but everything has a depth to it. So there's even what you read as a wooden veneer behind it, there's so many layers of technology that make it safe, that make it sound right. So that I found fascinating because I've not really worked on interiors so much so it was something that was eye-opening and then when they show you ones that have had to be scrapped because they're not up to quality and honestly sometimes I can't see the floor but they know what their level is and then they'll do it again. Um, I think the one I probably work closest with is what we call two-tone. A customer can decide that they'd like one part of the car in different colours um, and this is something we, we work together in the paint shop and by hand tape on the line and define where this should sit so this is like defining a contour line on a 3d shape but the shape doesn't have any lines on it at the point you're taping it so um i have to with them work out where looks the best and what they can do and i can't do is do this by hand repetitively and left and right side symmetrically and yeah putting tape on a surface it also makes a difference if you're right-handed or left-handed. So how they manage to do this is, yeah, I'm always impressed. 
Which artisan do you feel that you personally connected with the most during this development process of the new ghost? Well, I have to say, uh, going to the two-tone again, Suzanne, who helps me work out how we're going to get this idea put into production has probably had to be the most patient as we have more and more and more iterations. I'm thankful for that. And yeah, we've had good teamwork over the last months and probably years that we, we get these things right. And what's Suzanne's role in the process? So she coordinates how the paint shop will work. So actually she doesn't physically tape it, but she's the, let's say, the interface of what is the target. And then, yeah, we meet together with the people that have actually got to individually tape these on or individually, yeah, do the the last little bits. I do what I think will be right. And when you do what you think is right, you're working it out on a a piece of paper or on a computer screen of a given size. But when you then stand next to the real car and you do it, there are things that you you realize didn't work quite as you expected or you can do better or yeah, somebody will be there helping you with it and say, actually, you know what, why don't we try this and this? Or actually, these people that are doing it every day, for sure, they have more expertise in these things than than me. It sounds like the craftspeople in the paint shop do two things. They both problem solve and enhance the design. On each of these cars, someone's going to have to mask the line you see from the outside, but also because it rolls slightly onto the underside of that panel. Yeah, there's a huge amount of work that goes on under the bonnet or even behind all of the window finishes that no one would ever know about. But it's just part of having this pure single line expression when you see the finished product. I guess I designed the tip of the iceberg and slightly forgot that there was the rest of the iceberg to worry about. Who first pointed that problem out to you? We were in the paint shop, yeah, with our overalls on and these sort of slightly funny hats that looks like you're in a bakery. We masked it to the end of the bonnet and then somebody said, yeah, and now what happens? And you realise, yeah, you've got to get back to the other end of the bonnet, but on the underside. So, yeah, this was... Popular, popular decision. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you have to wear hats? It's because everything has to be spotlessly clean. If there's any impurity even in the air, it will later end up in your paint and then you either have to, well, most of the time you have to repaint the car. So therefore everyone goes through uh, this little room that looks like a power shower, but it's full of hairdryers. Then you get blasted and there's a sticky floor and it blows all the dust off your clothes and peels any dust off your shoes. It's not a vacuum because you can still walk around in it, but it should be as clean as a vacuum. Can you pinpoint a moment of real ingenuity that you witnessed during the development of the new ghost? Perhaps something that could only have happened through partnership? Actually, when we had the car as a clay model, it's really a team of people working on this thing. So there's a team of designers and there's a team of modelers. And you work and you work on it and you refine it and refine it. And um, actually, the car has more flow than the previous car. And this was because one day we were looking at it and we been there for so long and somebody said you know what that bit should just be be here and we'd been worrying about things to the millimeter and suddenly we were adding centimeters but yeah if somebody didn't on that day have you know what for this to really be right we should do this yeah it wouldn't be there now for context when do these clay models enter the process you have to work out the proportion of a car almost before you do the design we see today you're trying to work out okay, I know how big the motor is and I know roughly how much space we should give the people. So there's a there's an iteration of clay models where we're purely focusing on 
the proportion of the car, so to get the to get the size of the wheels right relative to the roof, or to get the cabin to sit in the right place. And these all change your perception of how you read it. Is it leaning forwards or leaning backwards? So there you're doing them somewhat more roughly because it's an initial sketch of does this volume feel right or is the skeleton of the car But a one-to-one sketch, right? Yeah, so you can imagine a a one-to-one 3D Rolls-Royce made of clay is is a lot of clay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then after that, once you've actually selected which sketches you want to resolve in 3D, yeah, then we work together to bring what is a 2D sketch into a 3D form. So this... I mean, a huge amount they can do from their own talent of looking at a designer's drawing and by hand building it. So how a designer would put the reflection on the sketch, they can interpret, okay, for a surface to make that reflection, it needs to be this shape. So the sketch, in a funny way, is actually our communication tool. And then by the time it's a real model, so it's this really five-meter-long piece of clay, you're working with what appears like masking tape, but it's generally black. So you can, from the side or from the top, you can put these lines on and work out where all the surfaces connect and where surfaces connect are what people read as the feature lines of the car. And what do you do with the clay models once you're done with them? They can last for years and you try and keep them as a reference so you know where you started from and that you keep checking your iterations are going in the direction you want to do. So I think... I think this one's probably still in a cellar somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a bit like with Sina's mood boards. She goes back and through, visits them again and again. You can go back to the clay model and see that you're actually delivering on the original purpose. Yeah, so we can push these models outside because you'll view a car outside and sometimes you paint them or you you wrap them in a... what's a bit like cling film but looks like body paint so that you actually see it glossy because you will never read the car in clay colour or without windows, so you get the best possible impression of what the car will then later look like. And do you have to wear a special outfit when you make this clay model? No. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not your best shoes, but otherwise it's fine. Craftsmanship of any kind, be it specialist engineering or an art that stems from another century, is a living, breathing process that requires continuous evolution. The five-year rebuild of Ghost has been a catalyst for change and advancement at Rolls-Royce, What did this newness bring for these craftmasters and specialists we're celebrating? As each of them continued to develop the singular skill, what did it bring to the design and the engineering processes? Let's catch up with Sina. The new ghost interior concept needed to match the serene minimalism of the exterior. Given how many complex elements and materials were at play, how did you manage that? So after we have done those amazing character workshops where we discussed a lot about wordings and 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 single names for the car, we get into um, creating those beautiful mood boards. And those mood boards have to reflect the character that we are aiming for in whatever way, in materials, in colors, in in character, in spirit, in everything. And Every time we develop a new material, we have to go back to the particular mood board and double check if we are still on the right track. So what we achieved with Ghost is this incredibly beautiful balance of calmness. And we have created three incredibly elegant leather colors and one exterior paint which fit perfectly to each other. And they're crowned with two amazing new veneers. 
So if you combine all those materials together that we have developed, you can create an incredibly peaceful, calm, detoxing and elegant interior. Which feature do you think really evolved with the new ghost? And what challenges did that process involve? What is truly unique for Rolls-Royce is above your head. It is called the Starlight Headliner. And what struggles we have faced, particularly with new Ghost, is um, actually it's not a struggle, but the cars are becoming safer and safer. And I think safety is nothing that you can compromise on. But also we had more security behind the headliner. That means less space to spread the beautiful stars in a natural way. So every constellation of each starlight headliner is completely unique to the owner, but needs some ground guidelines which I have to care about. We have to combine everything and also have to keep in mind how delicate those beautiful LED fibers are. With Ghost, we fought until very last minute to achieve this beautiful natural look. And I think by now I know every single star position that is on that starlight headliner because I have counted them several times by hand. So usually it takes 9 to 17 hours to create one single starlight headliner, but it's countless hours that go into the work before you actually start crafting it. So again, this is a very intriguing position where Rolls-Royce is working with new digital technology to, I guess, program the Starlight Headliner to twinkle and be as magical as you want it to be, but then using, again, a more traditional craft to insert it into the interior. Exactly. The twinkling are done by an algorithm, so that's new technology. But but piercing the headliner itself with all those individual LEDs is all done by hand. Here's Chris with his perspective on how things will continue to move forwards. So Chris, what materials would you personally love to see Rolls-Royce incorporate in a future design? I would like to see some kind of fabric, but a fabric that has an intricacy to it that you can only really appreciate it when you get up so close. On the first read, it's very, very simple, but as you know it or you get to know it, you find these hidden little gems inside it and it's that I'd love to see. And I think we can do it with New Ghost. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. Who's setting the challenge? Who's setting the challenge? I kind of like... If in a sense, serve this kind of interior geometry with any possibility and see what the bespoke team, what the colour and trim team can do with it. There's people here at Rolls-Royce that are thinking so differently and so abstract and from so many different disciplines that they'll take it in a direction that I would never begin to think of. Um, I'm very interested to see where they can take the design in terms of material values. And has this sort of experimental approach seen interesting results, do you think? With the current Rolls-Royces, we really have pushed the craftsmanship in terms of what we can do with all the different materials. Um, we've created ourselves a new challenge to even create more of a mystique um, or more of a kind of majesty to these materials. So in terms of working with the specialists on Ghost, for example, when we designed the fascia, we designed the main, we call it the decor panel, the main wood panel in a way that it doesn't have to be wood because we know now at Rolls-Royce, we can pretty much do anything with any material. So we created geometry and we, what we call bookended those materials. Now bookending means we created two pieces of leather either side of the decor panel that sandwiches that main material, which means any material can sit inside there now. And we designed that in a way that of course it looks modern, but it means we can place any material inside there. Now, 
what I do from an interior point of view is I almost provocatively suggest it can be any material. I give the opportunity within the design and the engineers support me to allow the specialists to really push what materials they can place in there. So I'm as captivated as anybody else as to what they will come up with in the next years of Ghost. The mission to create the best motor cars in the world has turned Rolls-Royce into a thriving modern atelier, built on the devotion of laser-focused craftspeople, designers and engineers. Their combined energy has produced a pure, uncompromised vision, one even more refined than what appeared on their original mood boards. The rewards of fostering a creative space like this for the company are tangible. And when you listen to these heartfelt tales of dedication, what seems indisputable is that the new ghost is a celebration of collective virtuosity, of mastery. Join us for the penultimate episode of our podcast when we ask, why is making things simple so complicated? I'm Johanna Argerman-Ross, design editor and curator, and this is Ghost Stories. Hi, I'm Henry Cloak from the design team of New Ghost. A quick end note for our listeners. If you'd like to find out more, please contact your nearest Rolls-Royce dealership.